It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. So yesterday we talked about uh, something that took place on an NFL football field last Monday night, which was when DeMar Hamlin, a player for the Buffalo Bills in a Monday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals, Almost died on the field. He collapsed from a cardiac arrest. Uh, the medical staff for the Bills basically saved his life. And uh, that incident caused a national attention about, first of all, this man's life. And he's doing really, really well. The entire nation sort of stopped and watched that Monday night. But then it became a story all through the last couple of weeks of... People, I think, looking vertical. Don't you think they sort of stopped and said, hey, there's more to life than a football game? Yeah, I think it was pretty inspiring to see how many people were actually saying we need to pray for him. Like, that that doesn't always happen. Yeah, especially as a result of a football game. But, you know, one of the interesting things that we talked about yesterday is people were saying my my thoughts and prayers are with DeMar. Mm -hmm. My thoughts, I mean, you heard that. From national celebrities, you heard that from people at the grocery store. Everybody was thinking about DeMar and saying my thoughts and prayers are with DeMar. And then on Tuesday, as we talked about yesterday, our friend Dan Orlowski, uh, who used to be a quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and I knew him because you know, I was the chaplain for the Lions for many years. And he now performed he's performed his wedding. Yeah, he did his too. wedding. He and Tiffany, I officiated his wedding uh, back in 2000. I think it was like six or seven or eight. Anyway, he's now with ESPN as a broadcaster, has a great career. He did something on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, the day after. I don't think it's ever been done that I know of on a national sports program where he just sort of said, you know, you know what? We played this yesterday, but maybe you missed it. And if you missed yesterday, listen to the whole program. But uh, we're going to play it again for those of you that might have missed it. But listen to what Dan did the day after on uh, ESPN's NFL Live. This is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it him. It is. DeMar Hamlin, right, right, right now. I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you has impact. We're sad, we're angry, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar be with his family to give them peace if we didn't believe that prayer didn't work we wouldn't ask this of you God I believe in prayer we believe in prayer we lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name amen 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 so after Dan did that last week I texted him immediately I I could read my text, but it basically was, what a bold move. Way 
to go. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do what you just did. I mean, that took guts. You know, he texts back right away, and then I ended up talking to him later, but he texts back and said, dude, I just kept hearing in my head, reject passivity, reject passivity, reject passivity. Which you've been preaching for years and years, and you would even preach that with the Lions. Yeah, every season I would do a thing, which I borrowed from Robert Lewis, who wrote a book called Raising a Modern Day Night. And, you know, I talked about the four pillars of manhood, and one of the pillars is a real man rejects passivity. You know, we have a tendency to be passive and not act and sort of just stand there when there's moments when a man, and women can do this too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Need to step up and do the right thing. But let's just say that is a risky thing to do in our culture today, like to bring God not only into the workplace, But to national TV, like, whoa. Yeah, and as I watched him do it, and I feel the same way even 10, 12 days later, I think he modeled for millions of Christian men and women what it looks like to be a Christian in the public workspace. Mm. How do I exhibit my faith? Now, you don't walk up to somebody in a cubicle and start praying for them, although there are times where that's appropriate as well. But I would do that. Yeah, you you would. (laughs) And so sometimes that's the right thing to do. But man, in this moment, you can even hear his co-host, you know, saying, yes, yes, this is the right thing. They knew this is the right thing to do. And it was a powerful moment. It's motivated me to be a stronger man of God in public space. And I I think this program is going to help all of us know how to live as a Christian in situations when God calls us to reject passivity, step into a moment and do the right thing. Well, the cool thing about Dan is, too, that we you actually called him and said, hey, we would love to interview you about this. But he refused because. Yeah, he's not on the program today because he said he said this has become way too much about me. This needs to be about DeMar, the player who was injured. And, man, that, again, just shows you his character. Um, But it's going to be about him anyway today because we (laughs) are going to play part two of a program that we recorded uh, years ago with Josh McCown and John Kitna, who were two quarterbacks in the Detroit Lions locker room when Dan came in as a rookie. And then in Dan's second year, an amazing moment took place in his life, which tells you the backstory of why Dan would do what he did on NFL Live. So we want you to hear the backstory of Dan's conversion, which was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then you'll understand why Dan would do what Dan did. And I hope it inspires you to do whatever God calls you to do, whatever God calls you to do it. Pretty amazing how God brought the three of you together in Detroit. But I want to I want to get back to Dan's story a little bit because Josh and John, you came to me, I think one Saturday mid season. Dan would know for sure, but you said, "Hey man, I think if you share the gospel tonight at chapel, Dan's ready." And I was just like, "Wow!" So that means not only are you guys, you know praying and sharing with Dan in the locker room and in the quarterback room, but you're seeing some movement. So I share the gospel that night and I didn't always have a, you know, invitation at chapel, but I did. I closed it and said, Hey, tonight's your night. Give your life to Christ. I hear nothing. You know, you guys go to meetings. I go home. 
Next day, I'm on the on the sideline. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Kit, you're running all over to go on to the field after a punt. Offense taking the field. I'm standing there. Dan's got the headset on. Josh is up there, and you literally run by me, Kit. You remember this? You go, hey man, ask Dan what happened last night. Boom, you run on the field, and I'm like, who is thinking about this right now in an NFL game? I probably, probably shouldn't why we were say three thirteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But I walk over to Dan during a timeout, and I'm like, dude, what happened last night? And he goes, dude, I gave my life to Christ. I'll tell you later. So, Dan, talk us through this. What happened? Well, we got to go back in time a little bit because we were as competitive as three human beings could be. And I think that was like the initial draw for me when it came to John and Josh was I had never been around anyone like them. Someone who, like, they wanted to, like, crush you when you competed against them and they never held back and they pushed you to the absolute limits but then they were like amazing human beings to you and incredible husbands and remarkable fathers and great teammates like I did I never been around someone that could want to knock you down and help you up at the same time in every aspect of your life and I think that was like my initial draw to just sitting back and going Something that they have is like I've never seen before. And so I'm watching them and my thoughts are starting to, you know, kind of figure out like, okay, there's something different about them. So I'm starting, I start to ask them questions about the way they live their life and why they live their life. And, you know, they're both incredibly open and transparent about it all. And so I'm that annoying young player that I'm asking more non-football questions than football questions, really. And so, you know, they really both just decide to like start inviting me into their lives and start kind of answering the questions with actions. And Kit kind of takes me under his wing of discipleship. And I start going to Kit in his house like a couple times a week. Correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say like 5 a.m. or something like that. <laughs> and so – it's 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to Kit's house, and he starts me off. I remember the first time we did it, he said, I want you to read First John chapter 1. And so I'm like, all right, where's First John? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, so, it, it, so I, I was kind of on this journey. I didn't want to believe in Christianity strictly because, like, the quarterbacks of my team did it, and, you know, I thought that was my way to play in the NFL for a long time. And so I, I asked a, a lot of uh, unique and difficult questions, and I kind of really dove into the studying because I like – I'm like you, Wilson, in many ways, skeptical and, and, and try to find, prove people wrong type thing. And so read First John and Kitna's, you know, discipling me through it. And then he asked me, all right, now you're going to read Acts. And so I read Acts. And so we're going on this journey month after month. Meanwhile, sprinkling in Bible study on Thursdays and the couple study, me as a single person on Monday nights. So I'm going to all these studies. Kit is discipling me one-on-one -on -one in the mornings and then – Obviously, we're with each other almost every single day. We're playing golf with each other all the time. We're playing hoops with each other all the time. And so uh, in many ways, they were discipling me with the actual Bible, and then they were discipling me with their actions and their words in their everyday life. And so <clears throat> that's September 23rd of 2006 is my second year, and I'm pretty into – I'm on fire at this point and pretty into my discipleship and whatnot. And it's we're in chapel that night, and I'm sitting somewhere in the middle of the room. And I just remember you going like, guys, I don't normally do this, but 
put in my heart that I should give someone the opportunity or anybody the opportunity to accept Christ tonight. And I remember sitting there and going, no way. I think Wilson's talking to me. But I'm like not going to say anything. So he's like, all right, you know, if, close your eyes and repeat after me. And I'm just looking around and no one's doing anything. And I'm repeating the prayer. But I'm like, I feel like this is strictly to me. Like I'm getting this nudge in my back to actually say something. And I'm like, no one's touching me. I feel like he's talking to me. So, I, you know, that is the night and the process of me, you know, giving my life to Christ. And I didn't tell anybody that night. And I woke up the next morning and I remember running around the field and pregame and just having this freedom, this like weight lifted off of my shoulders, this joy. And I remember Kit coming up to me and being like, what's up with you, man? And I'll be, I was like, nothing. You know, I was like a nine year old who just got some kind of cool video game or something, nothing. Um, and, you know, through a couple of minutes of conversation, you know, I told him that I, I'd given my life to Christ and uh, him and Josh actually both got me this Bible. You guys probably can't see it, but yeah. 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 That's the archaeological Bible. I'll yeah. never forget that. Yeah, you guys gave me this Bible shortly thereafter and wrote like uh, personalized notes in it to me um, for brothers in Christ or born in Christ and, and uh, really cool stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The other day, Dan, your text to John and Josh and I. Uh, the group text was, if you would have been drafted somewhere else, you don't know who you are today. What did what did that mean? I was heading down a path of becoming everything I did not want to become when it comes to being a husband and being a dad. I don't think I would have been bad at it, but I knew I was going to become what I didn't want to become with it. I was going to cheat on my wife. At some point, whoever that wife was going to be, I was going to cut my kids down and belittle them and intimidate them and uh, kind of become this this version of myself that was my greatest fear. And uh, when you look back at like, man, why did you get drafted by the Lions in 2005 and the weather stinks and our team stunk? And as I went through this process with you guys, with Kit and Josh and Dave, you know what I realized was like, I never went to the Lions for football. If I had gotten drafted by the Bears or the Chargers or someone else, I more than likely would have ended up being exactly what I didn't want to end up being. But because somehow God decided to put me in Detroit and Kit in Detroit and Josh in Detroit and the Wilsons were there. He didn't just change my life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, changed mm. my kids' lives. Mm. Changed my wife's life. And I don't know where it goes from there. But I just know if it wasn't for that, if it was to 31 other teams, I'd be a loser, dude. You know, in many ways. And it's hard for me to try to put into words. Uh, on a daily basis, like how thankful I am that I went to Detroit because of that time. I didn't become what was my biggest fear of becoming. Yeah, it's great to think. Uh, and I know you guys know the word so well. And John, it talks about Jesus coming in grace and truth. And that's what I watched you model. There was a truth that was firm and strong. And there was a grace, and I'm not kidding, I've rarely seen the kind of joy 
and laughter and acceptance that was in that locker room with you guys at the same time. There was no compromise in the truth, but there was – that's why I said the locker room leaned toward – I mean, they're playing cards over by you guys. They didn't play the other side of the locker room. They played by – Because joy is contagious. Joy is contagious, and they wanted to be around Josh's joy and laughter and Kit's truth, and it was just – The gifting of the body of Christ was so real that it drew Dan and others. And think about this. I mean, I know you know this, but the legacy of you guys, I mean, I watched you now as husbands, as fathers with your sons and daughters. You each have an amazing wife. Mm -hmm. Each of you, like your wives are incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would just say for Ann and I, and I don't know if we've ever said this to you privately but uh we love you guys and we thank you for that year it was in 33 seasons one of the best if not the best year of our lives watching you guys do the ministry it wasn't our ministry it was god's ministry through you we called it the year of jubilee hey you know the whole time you guys were talking i was thinking of matthew 5 14 Hmm. because you guys and your wives were this to the detroit lions that year you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that lived out so well as all of you, and you're still doing it. I think that's, that's like perfectly timed, Anne, because... One of the most appealing things through all of it for all of us that were part of that was Josh and John never wavered Mm. in the midst of absolute darkness. When it comes to like our everyday life, when what we were doing with our jobs, it was a struggle. There were multiple opportunities for those guys to waver and for it to look fake. There was never a wavering of Josh's joy. We practiced as hard as we possibly could, and we lost 35 to 14 or something like that. Never a wavering with Josh's joy. Or practice as hard as we can, and we get beat by whatever. Never a wavering in Kitna's truth. It was never this circumstantial thing, dependent on if we were playing good, if we were winning every game. That was like for, I think, so many of us, certainly for myself, like that was such a defining aspect of it, of it was – That's when it was real. When everything pointed for you not to be that way, you guys were that way. You know, and it it was hard to be that way, I would imagine, given the circumstances we were in. That's what was the craziest thing to me at that time was how the circumstances of what we were going through had no impact on your foundation of who you were. The thing that – and I tell this all the time, such a part of my testimony in the Lord, which is – It was literally like watching the Bible just come to life. The reverberation effect of what happened there that one year. The last I counted was 39 people that got baptized Hmm. because of what happened that year. And again, it was, it was just so fun because it was, it was God, right? Like we won 10 games in three years. By all accounts, it's a complete disaster. I'm not speaking for Josh, but I'm pretty sure Josh came there and was lied to why he signed there. But God got him there somehow. 
because God chose the foolish things to shame the wise and the weak right. things to shame. The, like he just he did that. Thirty nine people are getting baptized. And then that's not talking about, like Dan said, his family and his wife and his kids. And, you know what? I mean, now you watch what Josh is doing. I mean, it's like, you know, it's freaking Jesus is walking in the NFL, like wherever Josh goes. Like, and I and I want to add this. I mean, we've talked about the legacy, but what John and Josh, you guys don't know, is when Dan, you know, goes away from the Lions, traded, and then comes back. How many years later, Dan, did, was it before you came back? Five years? Uh, six six years. years? Yeah, he comes back six years later, and guess what he is in that locker room? Yeah. He's now John and Josh. Yeah. He led – like you guys led. Yeah. This guy who didn't know Christ now comes back and, you know, leads a revival in a different way, in a smaller way, but in the same way, hosts a Bible study at his house. Yeah. Your legacy is continuing on, and it's, a, it's, it's the way God designed us to do life. We are called to make a dent where we're sent. It was just, I'm telling you, it's such a, like, Dave, you were like the perfect person because you just, like, created this space for us. Like, yep. yeah, come to my church, you know, and like preach like, and of course, Josh and I were like, absolutely, let's do it. You know, yeah. the guys are coming and in chapel, you're giving us opportunities to lead and in Bible study. And, and you know what you meant to my wife and how we would just show up at your guys' house on Friday nights for date night and, and just sit on your couch and still to this day. But the, the, the space you created, not just for us, but for, you know, how many years were you there? 50 years? Chaplain? I am the losingest chaplain in the history. Of <laughs> that's been that's been clarified by data. People are getting saved though. They are. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication, and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact marriages in your community? Consider hosting a day together, a one-day marriage conference that focuses on developing oneness in marriage. We have trained speakers that will come to you to present humorous but biblically sound messages of hope. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website at families.powertochange.org.au under the Conferences tab. We hope you can join us again on Monday right here for another Family Life Today.